Welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we talk about controversial topics that other people may not feel comfortable talking about themselves. I'm Mike, here with Dave. Um, we're going to be talking about an interesting topic, CRT, talking about some real issues, I think. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can reach us at speakyourmind at protonmail.com. That's S-P-K, your mind, at protonmail.com. little disclaimer. Um, you know, some of the views may not be representative of the host beliefs. We're trying to talk. <laughs> it's not a lie. Um, and as always, we are equal opportunity drinkers here. We're enjoying some booze. What so are we drinking tonight, Mike? We've got a mix. We've got some whiskey and some tequila and some wine. At least one of us is classy. Someone's drinking water. We won't hold that against them. But join us if you want to. So our topic is critical race theory. Um, we're going to get into it. Right. I'm Dave, and that was Mike. And we have a couple of guests I'd like to introduce. We have Annette and Colleen. Annette spent 30 years in the education system and is also a mother as well. So looking for some great perspective on her and her experiences in the school. And we have Colleen, who was on the board at a school and also a mother and a parent. So looking for some good interest, interesting topics and comments from Colleen as well. But first, we're going to just spend a minute on some of the questions that we'll try to address in tonight's podcast. One is simply, what is CRT? I think there's a lot of people out there that probably are pretty familiar with it, and there's others that may not be. So I'm just going to spend a minute on what CRT is. And then more importantly, what does this mean for our children? You know, other thoughts are, what are teachers and educators saying about this? What are parents saying about this? And what's our government's position about CRT? First, let's talk about CRT. So briefly, and this is something just anybody can research, right? And I think a lot of people out there should research things before they jump to conclusions on any topic, not just critical race theory. But briefly, critical race theory is an intellectual approach to looking at U.S. society with a belief that racism is at the core of its laws and institutions. The second point of CRT is that it aspires to empower voices that have been marginalized, embracing the experience of people of color. Now, CRT was founded and created based on the myth of white supremacy. We're going to go into that in a little bit more detail. And also the argument that systemic racism shows up nearly in every facet of life for people of color. Now, this has led to some challenging new practices in our schools and in our classrooms, such as Changing the way history is taught to acknowledge the oppression of millions of people based on race. Exposing educators to training and professional development that highlight areas of implicit bias and help them develop skills for overcoming it. And also add, a lot of corporations are starting to add CRT into their uh, employee training programs. Also, developing new ways to deal with discipline so that black and brown students are no longer disproportionately targeted. And also rethinking how students are identified for advanced courses, accelerated programs, or elite colleges. So let's get into this. Time to get perspective from our two guests, Annette and Colleen, get both that have, have lots of experience in, with kids in schools. Thank you for having us. Yeah, say hello. Say yep. welcome. Welcome. There um, we go. We can I'm happy you. to be here. All right. Excited to talk about this. <laughs> Good, we are. I know too. it's near and dear to your hearts. <laughs> so thank you for joining us. So first, you know, why are teachers and educators, what are they saying? What are teachers and educators saying about this topic, CRT? What's, what are you guys seeing out there? You're on the street. You're, in, you're right in the schools. So from what I've heard, a lot of them 
don't really know that it's happening. They don't pay attention and they don't stop to realize what CRT really means. Mm -hmm. And I think that there seems to be this, um, there seems to be this belief that whatever the educators and the leaders want people to to um, teach, it must be okay. It's kind of like how we're taught that you need to naturally respect police and authority and and um, adults when you're younger. And I think it kind of goes the same way with the teachers because if you talk to them, and of course they're all different, but mm-hmm. some of them have no clue what CRT even means and they don't realize that it's being masked in called diversity training. So right. I think there needs to be a bigger understanding exactly what it is that they are being expected to pass down on children. That's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of good teachers out there, right? And you see on the news and the media, these school boards pressing it down. You wonder how many of the teachers are actually in front of the kids, you know, believe in that and are afraid to, or not believe in it and afraid to say anything about that kind of education. So um, in my experience, in conversations I've tried to bring up with teachers or even with other parents, it really kind of depends on what news they are watching and paying attention to. Because here we got together because we do know what CRT actually means. Um, but a lot of people in our community really don't don't even know what they're looking for, um, nor do they know what that term means itself. Right, right. interesting. Yep. So... If we're in, in, my passion comes from wanting to get out in front of it before it becomes irreparable, where we don't have any recourse to go back in good representation for, you know, my kids, but also the other kids that will be affected. Right, right, for sure. Is that possible in California? (laughs) Um, Well, it's just going to, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fight. And probably a big challenge and um, somebody's going to have to do it if we're going to stand up for the kids that will be affected. Um, and when I say that, if you don't mind me clarifying, um, so my my son is a seven-year-old white male, and if this, this um, theory and education rolls out the way it is, I mean, he will be, he in the 21st century will be the next generation apologizing for history that he has really no right. awareness nothing of it. yeah exactly. <laughs> nothing to do with it that's right the problem. Yeah. yeah so i feel passionate um that i have to be a voice for him you know starting right now sure yeah. i don't know who quoted you know who said this but it was like let it be me right if it's going to happen let it be when i'm alive right you'd rather fight now than have your kids try to fight it later when it's i mean it might already be too late yeah it's way too late when your kids grow up very true i think that a lot of the things that are taught in school go overlooked by many parents because they just assume the children are in school. They're learning about academics and learning about what they're supposed to be learning. Um, when Hillary Clinton came out with that saying, it takes a village, I personally do not like that saying because I feel that that saying gave parents an excuse to not have to parent because In my field, um, you know, running the before and after school program, um, you get parents who really want to be involved, but then there's surprisingly a lot of parents who step back and they say, well, 
they're your child between seven and six, because that's when you have them. So you need to do whatever you need to do to discipline or to correct their behavior. And then they kind of chuckle and say, you know, it takes a village. Right. And I think that this whole CRT thing goes back long before. Um, It just didn't rear itself. I think you're right. It's been around for a long time, I think, but the advent of COVID maybe now parents were over the shoulders of the kids and looking at the Zooms, right? And all of a sudden, Absolutely. they got an awareness of what the heck was going on in their schools. Absolutely. I'm of the belief system that um, when you work with children, it's not your place to teach them or talk to them about your personal political views, your religious views. Um, you have to be really respectful and try not to guide children into your own thought process. That's something I've always impressed upon my staff, and I think it's really important. And when the kids would come from school, especially when Trump was in office, um, they would come from school and start saying, I hate Trump, I hate Trump. And they they really have a lot of uh, negative, hateful talk, and it's because they were hearing their teachers talk about that. And we didn't allow that in our center and the kids couldn't understand, well, why is it okay to do that at school? So there's a whole variety of things I think that happen at school that parents just need to be more aware so that they can jump in and so that they can um, really understand what it is their kids are being taught. They need to be aware, right? But also your idea of not imparting your opinion was probably okay years ago, but now you need people to impart opinion, right? And I think the reason a lot of people like Trump was because he was willing to fight dirty and fight fire with fire, which means as a teacher who doesn't believe in this bullshit, you need to say it. That's what freedom of speech is about. That's how we impart the right thinking, right? And it actually does take a village. But the point is not how she intended it to come across. The point of that is it takes a village to be consistent with your children, When they leave your door, you want people around you and around them that are going to be consistent in the message so that they don't turn out to be pricks. I'm watching my language just for you. Just kidding. Fuck that. (laughs) You don't want them to be pricks, okay? And you need need consistency around them. You know, you brought up a good point. You know, you said the word politics. You know, growing up, I don't remember this being a political issue but today it seems like it's front and center oh when i grew up so in the same community that we're talking about i i was born and raised here so i'm 51 as of tuesday and and, i mean this wasn't a discussion we did not see the different um cultures even on our street our friends were from everywhere it's surprising that we spent literally five centuries to teach um, people and especially kids to not see color, but to treat everybody. And um, we had so many friends that celebrated different holidays and it was fun. It was Mm -hmm. made things so much more interesting and that's all being undone. So everyone's kind of staying in their own corners. And if that's the intention, I don't even know what that looks like. Right. Right. It's going to be weird. Yeah. That's a, that's actually interesting. Um, you know, when when I was a kid a while ago, um, I don't remember thinking differently about anyone either until I got to, 
you know, junior high, end of junior high, high school, when, when there's a bunch of a-holes running around spouting their shit. Um, I don't remember seeing anything wrong with anybody that didn't look like me. I don't, I, I distinctly remember some friends from when I was a kid and I don't have a great memory, but I distinctly remember some kids and they definitely were not like me. One of them was black, you know, like totally different. And I don't remember having any issues at all until someone made me aware of a non-existent issue later in my life that, like I said, was non-existent. It wasn't actually an issue. And that's, excuse me, that's what I'm afraid of for my son right now. He doesn't. He's got a really diverse group of friends. And if we're going in the direction of bringing attention to it and educating and bringing it into the classroom, then he is going to have awareness. And that might have the negative effect. Mm -hmm. It might make him more racially aware um, and create bigger divide. How much has social media played into this? Oh, my goodness. I think social media is responsible for a lot of it. Um, sometimes it's easy to be tricked into what you think you're reading is being actual when it's really propaganda. And uh, the understanding of, like Colleen, what you were just saying, um, when I grew up, we didn't grow up looking at people because of their skin color or anything. Now, granted, where I grew up, it was mostly white people. Sometimes you'd see Asian people. And um, I didn't go to school with any um, black people until my senior year of high school. But when they came to the school, it was amazing. We all accepted like friends and hung out and did things, and it was not a big deal. And my kids, the same thing. They they were not, they were taught about accepting people for their differences, but not about skin color, because that just never was an issue. We didn't think about that. And when I hear about teachers and different people believing that it's okay to teach white children that they are the oppressors, it breaks my heart. And this whole white privilege thing, my family grew up sometimes, we didn't have money. We sometimes ate a plate of tomatoes for dinner. And I never felt like I was the poor child. And I never felt like... um I was worse or better than anybody, and race was just something that we didn't, we just, it just was like non-existent. I do, I do feel, um, bad. I mean, it's hard to have this discussion when we are in a community that I guess in a sense is still predominantly white, and so I think about that a lot, you know, especially before a conversation, because I don't want to sound like I am coming from a place of privilege. It was not always like that um, where we are out here in the in the East Bay. It was like farm towns, and mm-hmm. it was just blue-collar workers, and my dad was one of them. But it, it makes me concerned because it's so expensive now. I don't see how you can bring diversity to a community that got so overpriced that, you know, I'm not even sure my own kids will be able to live here. Right. Right. So how you know, that's a whole new topic too. Okay. I figured right? I was like, <laughs> that's a California talk. Right. I don't know what we're yeah. doing. Like, right. I mean, you're going to try to create diversity in a place that nobody can afford to live to, in right. to begin with. Right. So, you know, that's where the we'll equity comes in, right? Yeah. The, yeah, the well, equity part. Yeah, right. so, yeah. That's where that comes. Right. And it's funny, you know, now not to get too far diversion, but you know, they want to build a bunch of homes out here and they're putting in low income homes and a lot of people moved out here just, 
get away from all that because they worked hard and wanted to move to an area where we don't have to worry about all that mischief. But so, uh, now, you know, now California. They to, now they need to move to Texas. Now you got to move to Texas. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have a funny <clears throat> thing I want to do about that. Is if, if it's not on, it's not on topic. But <laughs> <laughs> we have, you know, there's a lot yeah. of houses with property. I think we should put signs like, you know, 60 units coming soon. There we go, Low baby. income. Sure. Thank you, Gavin. Oh, well, you and know, I, Gabby just neighbors. canceled that, right? So, I mean, we can talk about Gabby all day long, right? right? He just outlawed. Single-family homes, American mm-hmm. dream. There you go, his, baby. His name is Mussolini. Mussolini, yeah. yeah. Mussolini. Anyway, okay. what are some of the parents saying that you know that you're you see at your schools? What are they? Are they concerned? Are they um, being quiet on it? Are they? So can I can I yes. jump in? Sorry, yes. and not because I do yes. like to do all the talking, but I joined a Zoom call that was sent out to the parents to talk about um, this. Um, DEI, which stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. So I'm like AKA that. CRT. That's correct. A- a- <laughs> AKA CRT. Yeah, let's sniff it out where it is. So I joined the call, and um, I mean, I was literally taking notes. Um, it was all suburbia white women, including the person who they hired to teach this. There was only about seven people who joined, so there was a lot of things that crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. So it was all the white women PTA moms. Suburbia, the white women. The person teaching this was also white. She's supposed to be the expert, which just I, I just want to call out because I think that's really interesting when you talk on these topics that you don't have the people who are your audience involved in the mm-hmm. conversation. Right. And um, it made me think that like this whole movement is to to just target to make white people feel guilty to join it. because Of course, yeah, that's definitely one of the main, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you ask that question, how do they feel about it? Mm -hmm. I I don't even think they know what they're talking about. They just feel like they need to be involved. So it like checks a box and they're clear. that's, that's, That's like a normal human problem though, right? Like everyone needs purpose in life. Super important. And you got to take a side. Well, you got to take a side, but you need purpose, Mm -hmm. right? You need something bigger than yourself to, to fight for and to push for. And for, normal people, there's a lot of things that you can do that don't involve screwing others, right? But people want to belong to something. That's why people buy Apple products, right? They take you in, they make you feel like you're part of the club, you're special. I'm a Patron man myself. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. But this is one of those things that people can latch on to that have no, no reason for living in their lives. They hate themselves. They can latch on to this. And like that expert probably has a ton of confidence issues, probably hates herself for many reasons, and this is just an outlet to, to try to get through that. What's sad about that? A lot of people don't take the time to research this stuff. And then also look abroad and look at other countries and how they're dealing with stuff. I mean, it's, it's so easy to pounce on America when there's so many good things that have occurred, and we'll talk about a little bit about what we've done around, you know, around racism and blacks and specifically people of color. So that's it's, it's a... Interesting comment and a very fair point. And just to add on that really quick, so so they've created this movement around CRT. Now they've created businesses, which are primarily owned by, I think, black business owners. And then they train the white consultants to go out and implement these programs. So I'm just trying to figure out that model. Mm-hmm. Because I would think if I was... Uh, maybe one of the minority underserved community members. I mean, that's a question I would ask. 
So you still have this group of white people rolling out programs and making decisions on my behalf, even though the whole intention of the program was to give the minority voice. Because you know, it's, it's all a bunch of baloney. Because it's that's bullshit. not really what it's about. <laughs> yeah. This is all part of that leading into socialism. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look at what they're trying to do now. They want to remove standards from school. And I believe it's in Oregon where they said that they weren't even going to be teaching math or English. Um, in colleges, they don't want you to have to have any testing to SATs to have to get into college. I remember back when my kids were in the fourth grade, and because uh, I think when I think about everything, I think about how far back this really goes. And when my kids were in the fourth grade, they had a meeting at the school and had us all come in to tell us that those students who were getting A's and B's were no longer going to be getting A's and B's. They're just going to be getting on their report cards. They're going to just be getting one, two, threes. And it was like the half of the room, all of us were on one side and all the other parents were on the other side. And those of us who had students who were really working hard to get those good grades were really upset because our kids are working. They're doing their homework. We're making sure they're doing what they need to do so that they can get good grades. And and if they're struggling, you know, we do what we need to do to get them tutoring or whatever it is that they need. But then there was the whole other side of the classroom that we're totally fine with it because that's what the, the standard expectation was, was that, well, at least if you're doing satisfactory, that you're okay. So there was no concern for tapping into someone's ability and you know and now they're talking about how they're going to be i think it was new york maybe the school districts new where they're york. talking about getting rid of the classes for the advanced students right no so we're absolutely watering down our education system this reminds me of like you know peewee baseball everybody got a trophy even if you came in last exactly you but know this that's, is not, all what, part that's of not how it. the world works and, and what it, my, my concern is are we going to be competitive in 10 15 20 years down the road as a country raising children that way that's a real serious concern, but this is all, in my opinion, part of the whole CRT thing. Sure. It's, yeah. it's really all about changing the language, right? If you can change the language and dumb it down and get everyone thinking about half-truths and uh, you know ambiguous definitions to words, and everyone comes down together to this low level of crappy human being, mm-hmm. you can control the populace. And the whole point of CRT with these white people running out and, you know, virtue signaling with their whole lives is to demoralize people and make them feel bad so that they are more, you know, compliant. That's what it's all about. That's what the mandates are about. That's the entire purpose of everything going on is to demoralize and make people more compliant. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, which was super frustrating after COVID 2020 um, in the newsletter, which I read everything. They were so proud of themselves for spending the whole summer putting together their diversity, equity, inclusion program and didn't have a plan to get the kids back to school Fantastic. after they already missed a year and a half. Well, I so think they their were, plan was just to stay out of school longer so for they sure. can milk the uh, system. Or to put the plan in place, you know, just... That, that this was a all perfect right. timing. So all the time, energy of these parents, uh, um, teachers, teachers and the school boards and teachers, yeah, they were they were focusing on that. And when we went back to school this year, they still didn't have an actual plan 
to, you know, manage COVID. And to, and to pile on that one, change the name of the schools, tear down our statues, mm-hmm. to take, take our history away. I mean, they were all... That's what they were doing. All, you know, just indulged in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what about the kids? I that's, have. That's right. That's always been, I think, the issue in California is what about the kids? Because they claim to really care about the kids, but they really don't do anything to further the kids. I think they're brainwashing them. That's totally. Right. Totally. I think they're all full of shit. I uh, will agree with that. Have Have either of you noticed anybody speaking out at school board meetings? Well, I do not go to the school board meetings. I would like to. You're banned from him. I, they are, but I know. Because you're too vocal and A.G. Garland's going to come after you. Exactly. So I'm not afraid. Um, our school. But Colleen, on the other hand. Uh, our board meetings have been closed. They've been um, closed meetings since really? COVID wow. hit. So there's, there's transparency. Yeah, there's been no in-person meetings, and they send out weekly minutes. Which I also read. They're very vague. And they're I still very get those. So you can have yeah. a proxy, there's, there's like nothing. some guy from out of state or whatever, just kind of float in there and right. yeah. the bear mask on. And both Annette and I have challenged our, <laughs> our boards and our, our superintendent right. um, on different topics. And, um, you know, we have to get ready for the battle. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, earlier in my opening, I talked about, or one of the things I didn't talk about is one of the points when I was researching CRT, you know, are we modifying our disciplinary um, actions to accommodate people of color? Because that's one of the things that it talks about. And, and when I first saw that, maybe there's some of that, but you got to ask yourself, how are they getting in trouble in the first place? Are they just picking on them? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I just... And from the stuff I see on TV, you know, the great media stations, the NBCs, ABCs, CBSs, and all the writing that took place. And I'm just speaking from what I'm seeing, folks. I see a lot of black people and a lot of black kids doing the stealing and the shoplifting out there. So to me, I love to believe the comment that CRT is making, but what I see and what the media puts on TV just says counter. Did you well, see the recent shooting in a school? Black kid beat the crap out of some kid, and then I think the next day he showed up and shot a teacher and this kid. No. He went to jail, oh. and he was out on bail. Well, that's all part of Kamala. She was having all kinds of people put money towards getting people out of jail, and that's just one more thing. I don't know. I think discipline actions, I mean, if you're really an educator and someone that means well for the – for not only that student, but for the student body. You, you need to take action when you see action that's required. And it should, right, and it should be equal and fair across the board. Okay, so let's look at um, our government's role. In that's the next thing I was right. going to bring up. So you're right see, on cue. You, you just you can, so, you can like read people's minds. It sure makes you miss the nuns. <laughs> well, they might wrap you on the hands with a ruler, and then, right. then you're going to sue them. Yeah. <laughs> not you. <laughs> Like you know, if you did that right? now, no, my you goodness. fear God and oh, fear the nuns. <laughs> now you have fear of nobody. You're going to go to hell, Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, yes. look at the role of the government with minorities. They want to get them on a system. They want to tell them that they're no good. They want to tell them that they can't make it unless they are on some kind of system. And this issue that we have has been, I think, largely in part because of that. And, you know, you look at the, the 
families that are torn apart, the influences that young children have to look up to. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing is let's get everyone on the system because they need to be in a welfare state. And so when you're encouraging people that it's okay to not work or it's okay to not do better for yourself because government's going to take care of you, then that's what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, at our, our school where, um, where I've been, it was mainly uh, white people who lived, who were there. Um, the area was a lot of the older people had died and left their homes to the family. I mean, a lot of it in that area was from that situation. And I would say probably over the last maybe eight years or so, we started getting families of color or or uh, students, people from the from Hong Kong, for example, would come, and they'd be here for two years, and then their students would come, and a lot of Russian families were coming, and we started having to work with children who did not speak English, and the reason the parents wanted to put them in my program is because we could help the kids, the more they're around other kids, um, it would help them learn the language a lot uh, better, and so... You could kind of see with the families, certain things started changing, traditions or things that maybe we weren't used to because we didn't know. Mm -hmm. We had to do certain things different because we wanted to include other people and have them not feel left out. So we had to learn about other holidays or we had to learn about whatever traditions. But the interesting thing about that is that every year, for example, around Christmas time, I send out a letter asking if you celebrate a different tradition or you do something for your family and your culture that's different, could you come tell us about it? Because we want to learn and we want to know. And do you know what, Dave, for the 33 years I've worked in this field, no one. That's called appropriation. Absolutely no one. Yeah, it's funny. And we've been talking a lot about kind of what we're seeing with kids today. And I want to just spend a moment. And you touched upon it earlier, Colleen. Like, what was it like when you were growing up in the education system and the history that was being taught? Did they highlight racism? Did they highlight white supremacy? I mean, what was your experiences? We never talked about it. I don't think um, those were ever topics. Yeah. I don't even remember. I mean, you always have bullies. I mean, just... Those are just kids that are raised with right. bad manners, you know right. what I mean? But they weren't bullies that were making racial... I remember growing up, I mean, they they, talk, they talked about slavery, and they talked about the injustice we did to the American in the Indians. Class. In the classrooms. Yes, of course, but they, yeah. you know, it was part of Manifest Destiny, right? There was thinking back in the day, that's why we got the Louisiana Purchase and Western Expansion. And, oh, by the way, the rest of the world is trying to do their expansion as well. So still doing it. white settlers, still they're still doing it. It's, it's something that's never going to change, right? The Chinese are trying to take over Taiwan. So there's Western expansion, and it's about moving, to, you know, to grab, Louisiana purchase those lands, and to the West to grab the fur trade and get the French back into Canada. But they didn't talk about, so it wasn't about white supremacy. It was about growing our country. It was about economies. It was not necessarily racism. People got in the way. It was sad and tragic. But that's history, and we learn from history so you don't repeat history. That's what's confusing, because if, if they would spend more time in the history books and just talk about... Um, Objectively? Obje- right? right, and Not then subjective. even just how the white people came to America because right. they were fleeing... Other, right, other, were, exactly. To, yeah, right, the Great Britain, they were fleeing. They're fleeing. Hello. So they yeah. came here, and it was hard. It wasn't easy. Sure. And again... It wasn't because they were white that they came to America. Right. They were also seeking better lives, but then it, the country itself, 
the landscape, the indigenous people presented yeah. challenges that we've all learned through the years. If you wipe it out, the the new our, my kids they just won't. I read a book recently called The Pioneers. It was about the first people that were on the eastern seaboard. Just back in like 1774, they crossed the Appalachians into the Ohio Valley in, in that area, and they created a doctrine and had three things on it. Very simple. I wish the government could act more like this. Freedom of religion. Free education, which was great back then. I think that was important. And that's an important part, I think, towards CRT and how you think about things. But more last thing was uh, the abolishment of slavery. Think about that. In 1774, so if we create CRT based on right white supremacy, here's the first pioneers coming over with a doctrine that says no slavery. So give me a break, CRT people out there. Yes. You oh, guys yeah. are not looking at the history books. You don't look at the facts. You know, by the way, the Civil War, and I'll talk about in my closing statement, there's a lot of bloodshed for the Civil War on behalf of colored people. Right, and they should watch Little House on the Prairie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so can I, can I answer your question, sure. too, that you were Yeah, absolutely. Posing? So when I grew up in school, we didn't talk about white supremacy. We learned about slavery. We learned about all the things you just right. talked about. As I mentioned earlier, my experience with um, black people wasn't really till my senior year in high school. But my family, You're a shelter girl, I was. I, I mean, we moved to San Leandro to moved to Concord, <laughs> San Leandro moved to Concord when I when I was uh, six, and you know, pretty much have been there my whole life. But where we saw certain things was my grandparents lived in Oakland, and there were still I can remember getting on the bus. My grandma would put all of us all, all of us kids on the bus and we would go down to Fairyland or go to wherever we were going. And we would go to Walgreens, sit at the counter they used to have for snacks. We'd go downstairs and buy uh, grilled cheese sandwiches. And I do remember that we did sometimes see issues where black people couldn't sit there. Mm-hmm. We had little experiences like that mm-hmm. growing up, but we didn't understand it. Right. So there's six siblings in my family, and none of us ever grew up with the understanding that we were better than somebody else, and we didn't even really look at people differently. Right. I mean, I mean, it just wasn't really an issue for us. I grew up on the other side of the tracks. Yes. Well, we had blacks. We had people from Fiji and Tahiti and Samoa. Um, We had Japanese. I mean, it was a mixed racial school. At the end of the day, we were all just kids, and we were having fun. At the end of the day, it wasn't about that guy is any worse off than me. I mean, to this day, I still keep in contact with a lot of these people. So, But that's how you learn to accept people, too, for their differences. Great point. And that's how you learn how to get along with people Gr- that are great different. Great point. And for somebody to sit and try to, especially this day and age, with all the civil rights and all the everything that has been in place since the 60s, it's really interesting to hear somebody, a group of people trying to push a certain agenda that really wants to single out a certain race just because. Yeah, yeah that's You can't right. have it both ways. So you can't all get along, but then also try to preserve all your differences and fight for them. Those mm-hmm. are two different. So I think you preserve your cultural differences. You, sure. And then... Learn to understand and make friendships. Because That's it, of that. right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. People people are not better than other people, but some cultures are better than other cultures, and a lot of people don't like hearing that. But uh, it's true, right? Certain cultures prosper, and certain cultures do not. 
And if you have certain attitudes, you don't prosper. For instance, if you are literally racist and you have a problem with people, like you said, you know, growing up and going to Oakland, um, at times black people couldn't sit at the counter. Those people are fucked up. Your parents raised you a certain way to not be like that. And it seems like it's working out pretty well. It's a cultural difference, right? We're talking about cultural difference. No one wants to talk about that because it's, it's down a to the bone. Point, and it right? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's around the world. I mean, how do you deny it? I mean, we all came from different places. Well, we came from different places, but it's an, it's an, it's not just, it's not just the high level surface type culture I'm talking about. I'm talking about deep philosophical level of culture, mm-hmm. understanding, being a grown ass adult and being able to disagree with someone and still be friends. These are things that are not necessarily inherent in a, in a human. They're taught. And that's part of culture. Your culture teaches you these things. And some people get it and some people don't. And at some point, you know, maybe you're too old to get some of this stuff and you're just an asshole the rest of your life. But it matters. Well, well you miss the point of being in America. Exactly. Here right. you get to have those freedoms. Exactly. What an enlightening point. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, that's why we have 200,000 people coming across the border every couple of months, right? I mean, we go back to Go that. get a clue. Yeah, that's and a whole that's other a, another, again, and that's a whole other <laughs> show. But you know that's what? One of the things again. that's interesting, Mike, about what you said is look at people who have young kids today, and you want to teach your children to stand up for what they believe, and you want to teach your children to be accepting of other people and to hear the differences because it's important to hear sure. what other people feel and why. But then at the end of the day, you know, they can make their choice about what they think about certain topics. But it's almost like with kids these days. You can't really, you stand the risk if you uh, have a different opinion that your child is going to be singled out. And then that's a whole other issue that you have to deal with. that's what I was with. saying earlier, right? It's, it's time to speak. There is no more keep your mouth shut, put your head down. You have to speak. The way that we fight is by talking. And the way that we are going to win this is by speaking our mind. Right, which was the whole point of this podcast. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask well, you. Like, what what do we do to address this? How do you deal with it? Right, and I think it's being more open about it, being more transparent about it. I think not getting emotional about it, and you know what, going back to just teaching history, at least from my vantage point, teaching it objectively. Don't be afraid to share the atrocities that have occurred, because if you haven't learned from them, then we'll never. You don't want to repeat these things, right? And I'm worried about today's educators are teaching it subjectively versus objectively and just showing the facts and let people make their own conclusions about history. So when people stand up and talk, the parents who are becoming more and more vocal, you know, I'm sure you've all heard that now that they are being considered domestic terrorists. Yep. And uh, But still parents need to rise above that because your children are the greatest thing you have. And you have be to afraid. be able to protect your children. You know, it's funny. Ten years ago, they wanted parents to get involved. Now parents are involved, and now the government's watching after them. Let me, give it's me a break. It's important, to, it's important to stick to the guns, right? If Absolutely. You comply, if you comply, you're complicit. Yep. And this is why this whole topic is really complex and confusing, yep. because yep. I was making my little notes here. So we're, I was trying to cover DEI, diversity, with mm-hmm. me going back to history. Right. Equity is right. questionable. I don't really know what that means yet. It means lowering 
SAT numbers right. so people can rise above and right. going backwards, I guess, you know, that's, means, that's really helping the kids. Yeah. Taking, <clears throat> taking your money and just redistributing, redistributing. so that everyone can yeah, be right. equal. If you're black and you have a B plus, you'll get an A and, you know, just bringing people up um, in a false way, I guess, on, you know, not earned, not worked hard for. Right. And then the inclusion part is what I'm more involved with at our school. And that's, um, Inclusivity is easy. I mean, we put out a lot of activities at the school. Um, we had, what was the work day on Saturday? The, uh, the community work, service yeah. day. Sign-up geniuses were all over the place. And guess what? The same people sign up. That's the way it always is. We have is. so many people in that school. So I look, you know, right. same people. And guess what? They're not the diverse ones. You know what I mean? They're, yeah, right. So, right. so it's the same There's people. an opportunity there for equality and inclusion. Inclusion and, yet, and being a part. Guess who shows up. Right. Guess who but shows yeah. up. Maybe this is a bigger issue for those who are the loudest that we're hearing than actually for the well, minorities of the school. You know what's interesting? How much the family values play into this? I mean, I don't that know. It goes back to the culture. Going back to the culture, you touched upon it for sure. I mean, you, you know, there's so much to be said about having good family values and raising your kid your children. And if that's lacking, then that's maybe what the CRT people ought to be focusing on is helping educate parents about what it means to have family values and, and kids about having values and ethics and integrity. And, and that me, brings us build everybody and up. And Absolutely. that brings us back to it taking a community. We all need to have our shit straight. We all need to talk about the right things. We all need to be into the right things, yeah. which leads us into potential solutions. But what do you guys think? Do you have, like, how do you fix this problem? So I recently, um, I'm, I'm pretty vocal, but I think I'm um, in a good conversationalist way can be vocal. But I, I had an interesting conversation with um, a young man. Um, he is Indian. Um, he invited the conversation. It was going really great until it got to this subject. And then I pointed out that in our community, my house is very open. I've hosted a lot of the school parties, um, the events, um, even during COVID. So kids that would be left out were included. As I mentioned, my son has a diverse group of friends. So I asked this young man, I said, you know, one of my son's closest friends is Indian, and I have never been invited to anything at their home, none of their events, none of their celebrations, none of their, you know, Right. They have a lot of religious holidays sure. that I hear about, but I'm never invited. I thought we were good friends. And he said, well, it's a cultural thing. Right. I said, well, that sounds like racism. I mean, sure. why wouldn't I be invited? Why would be inclusive? I, yeah, why, where's the inclusivity? Yeah, yeah, so what's, I like Indian food. I really do. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> no I like to celebrate you. people's, you know. Sure. <laughs> I'm really fun. I'm actually a, a really good, good guest. But we then the conversation turned. Yeah. Because instead of owning it, he's like, well, in our culture, you know, we've been here since the 70s, but it's just, it's not like us. And I'm like, but you've been here a long time. So when does it become like you, like your family, like a new part of your culture Mm -hmm. to also be inclusive? So I invite you over for hot dogs. You're always welcome. But I really like Vindaloo. So I would love to come over, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) you graciously come over to my house, but never invite me to your house (laughs) or weddings or... You know, celebrations. Or weddings. By the way, I heard Indian weddings are lit. Like a really good time. They go on for a week, Mike. So they're still using the caste system. 
Yeah. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah. And and so yeah, look, I, look around, I'm, right? I'm feeling Open left out, so sure. I don't really want to be inclusive anymore. Well, you can go over to India if you want. <laughs> I'm feeling excluded. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> not happy about it. And I yeah, and I do want my son to have those experiences. So it has to work both ways, and we're yeah. not we're yeah. not getting that. Yeah. So totally. So I'm just going to spend a minute on the closing, and then um, I think Mike, we're going to do WTF Joe or say it ain't so Joe after that. But WTF. just just briefly. Just Jim briefly, Crow. just kind of closing on on CRT. We had a civil war in order to abolish slavery, right? Tell me another country that's done that. There was over 650,000 deaths in the Civil War, 370,000 people from the north, including 40,000 blacks. And interestingly, you know, the BLM, Equal Rights, and CRT supporters don't seem to recognize how much amount of white bloodshed was given on behalf of people of color. It's not the same, Dave. And, and furthermore, all Americans are immigrants, right? You look back to the pe- landing at Plymouth Rock, right? Everyone's an immigrant. English, Irish, Italian, German, Chinese, Japanese. They came over with two wooden nickels. They all experienced oppression in some kind of way. The Chinese were slave laborers for the railroad. Japanese were put in turn- internment camps during the World Irish. War II. The Irish, mm-hmm. the Germans. Everybody in some way was oppressed. But guess what? Through hard work education, good family values, they succeeded. Maybe CRT supporters should think about that, right? Think about what it's taken to be successful in this country and just putting a little bit of family values and a little bit of hard work and a little bit of care and some good education, you might might actually get out of the gutter. And who's been consistently on the right side of history? Wink, wink. Yeah. And I think this gentleman, Gary Levinson from the Educational Post, said it best. I recall studying slavery and treatment of Native Americans in school 60 years ago. Why do we need to rub salt into the wounds of racial injustice when we fought a civil war, enacted civil rights legislation, created a national holiday for Martin Luther King, elected an African-American president twice, and a woman of color vice president? People of all colors have succeeded in America in increasing numbers and continue to do so. Will CRT result in a more tolerant America? or have the exact opposite effect? That is the burning question for many people. And I think now we're going to jump into some say it ain't so, Joe. All right. You want to lead us off, Mike, or you want me to do it? How do you want to do it? Go for it, Dave. Jump in, man. What the fuck? Well, I'm going to go with my my favorite topic. You know, during the election, Joe said he was going to unite people, and so far he's accomplished about uniting hundreds of thousands of migrants that illegally come to our country. Not doing a damn thing about it. So what the fuck, Joe? WTF. Well, I used the F word. That's okay. The Annette, fuck. Annette's going to get on me. The fuck <laughs> word is okay. Okay. No, it's not. Well, then Joe said that he wasn't going to raise taxes on those who make 400 k or less. And uh, he's doing a great job raising the cost on everyone, everyone's daily needs. 40% on gas, 7% on food and rising... Those most impacted are well below the 400K threshold. WTF for WTF, sure. WTF, Joe. That's called Bidenflation, baby. <laughs> That's called bullshit. So, Joe. That's right. Oh, my God. Colleen used the B word. The bitch word, yeah. <laughs> so, Joe, where's Kamala? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, she's teaching actors. She's teaching, she's teaching actors about the moon or about space or whatever. Yeah. 
Talk Trainer, to William Shatner, Trainer, Kamala. Yes. And Kamala, they were, talk they were to William 13. Shatner. They were, they were 13, 13, and she talked to him like they were five. That's right. They were 13? Yes. I heard they about, were actors. I heard about the child actor part, yes. 13. which is not shocking. <laughs> Have you seen all of the recent press conferences or anything Jim Crow Joe says? He's on a fucking set. I can't set. watch him. He's not even in the White House. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, yeah, that's his transparency thing. He's know, not. He, he doesn't take any questions from the press. And that and the ones that he does are hand-selected from the you know the friendly media. So you know, there's another. He's got to sticky. They had to make the teleprompter bigger, right? Yeah, right? Didn't they have to put him in a confined space? So, Mike, do you and, have one? Oh, maybe that's it, yeah. Control his, I think, yeah. Joe's, Joe's uh, going after people's inheritance. Oh, yeah, right? there you go. So if his, if his new in- infrastructure proposal goes through, what has happened to working hard Americans and building up wealth? Right? Why does Joe's government want to distribute other people's earned earned wealth? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Say it ain't so, baby. WTF. WTF. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of I got a lot of six hundred dollar transactions you can look at. <laughs> yeah. Now the IRS is going to go breathing down your throat, right? With their yeah. the new yeah. uh, the new bill, if it goes through, hopefully it will not. Bring it on, chief. But uh, so hey, this is our closing. Hey, shout out to Stephen, our editor, and our special guest Annette and Colleen. Thanks for joining Thank us you. today. We'd like to have so you much. back soon. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening. And you can reach us at speakyourmind at protonmail.com. That's S-P-K, your mind at protonmail.com. And I also want to thank real quick Colleen for coming up with the new name for the show, the WTF. She's WTF the one that, podcast. She's the one that came up with it. So thank <laughs> you for that. That's right. And we're ready to fight. All right. That's right. Thank you, everybody. 